topics that would that would uh, uh, be more recent issues that Christians need to be aware of in the area of science. So yesterday we looked at some medical ethics things that have been going on over the last few years, and then looked at some recent field work that's being done in creation science that I've been able to be a part of, um, in specifically in the area of geology and paleontology. And believe it or not, uh, this issue of the multiverse has become a pretty hot topic in the science literature over the last few years. And so I wanted to take some time to make you aware of what's going on in this area as well. Uh, be aware that the material that I'll be covering in this session very briefly is available as a two-part article that I wrote last year for our, um, our journal, Reason and Revelation, uh, which you can get online, that, that, uh, those articles. It's also an appendix in my Science versus Evolution book, which we're selling back there in the back. So um, that's called Seven Reasons the Multiverse is Not a Valid Alternative to God. So you can get more information uh, on that material elsewhere. Uh, why in the world are we going to take some time to look at the multiverse? Uh, well, in the article I wrote uh, on this subject, I cited from dozens of articles in major science magazines from the last few years. And this is, so this is a very hot topic among the leading cosmologists in the secular arena. And here's why. When we examine the evidence, we find that there is just too much proof that establishes that the universe had to have a beginning. But at the same time, the evidence is clear that it couldn't have created itself. Uh, there is so much evidence, in fact, that many of the leading naturalists are just coming out admitting that and acknowledging it. They're acknowledging that the evidence demands the existence of something outside of the natural universe, a supernatural realm. And now, obviously, they don't want to acknowledge God, and, of course, they don't want to use the term supernatural to describe that realm. Uh, notice what cosmologist Bernard Carr of Queen Mary uh, University in London he said, if you don't want God, you'd better have a multiverse. And that statement is widely acknowledged among the cosmologists. In fact, many of the articles that I read on this subject in the major science magazines all pointed to this quote by Bernard Carr as a justification for why, why they're delving into this subject. So as Christian apologists, we need to be ready to deal with this subject uh, since this is becoming a hot topic. Now, first of all, keep in mind the importance of evidence or proof before you come to believe something. If a person uh, wants to be rational and not have a blind faith, then he should only draw conclusions that are warranted by the evidence. And there, this is also a biblical concept as well. We talked about that yesterday as well. The Bible teaches you don't just believe everything you hear. You need to test things. First John 4.1, examine the evidence carefully before determining uh, what, what, uh, what you're going to believe. Based the, your conclusions on the evidence. Uh, modern science, which is dominated by naturalists, has historically agreed that evidence is necessary before you accept something. Uh, now, they specifically claim to rely on direct observation, with the implication being that indirect evidence doesn't count, uh, even though indirect evidence saturates science. Now, they don't really hold to that rule in practice because of that fact, but they still try to use it when they're attempting to make a case against belief in God or allowing the Bible in the classroom because you can't directly 
uh, experiment on God and observe him or the flood or creation. And so they'll want to rule out the supernatural, forgetting that indirect evidence is critical in science and, and is a... Uh, especially when you're looking at historical science, when we're trying to determine things that happened in the past that we have not witnessed. It's all based on indirect evidence. And so as we'll see, this, is, this presents a major problem for naturalists when, the, they point, when we point the finger back at them on this issue. Okay, now the multiverse, first of all, we need to understand what the multiverse is and determine if there is actually any evidence for its existence. Uh, the multiverse is the idea that our universe, with all of its... Uh, space, solar systems, galaxies, stars, planets, asteroids, comets, meteoroids, and so forth. Uh, everything that we can observe is not the only universe that exists. Centillions of other universes exist outside of our own, essentially an infinite number. And when those other universes collide, they can create a Big Bang in another baby universe. Okay, well, is there evidence for the multiverse? Some cosmologists attempt to find support for it through string theory. In fact, a well-known cosmologist George Ellis of the University of Cape Town in South Africa and astrophysicist Joseph Silk of Johns Hopkins University, they said fundamentally the multiverse explanation relies on string theory. So if string theory is true, it would not necessarily mean that the multiverse is true, but in order for the multiverse to be true, it requires that string theory be true. So before responding to the multiverse theory, we need to understand something about string theory. Uh, modern physics is made up of two major branches. You've got physics that governs the, uh, what we'd say, the macro realm, the stuff that we can see today. And so that branch would fall under general relativity, and it includes uh, astronomy, astrophysics, cosmology. And then you've got physics that governs the micro realm, so to speak. It's the stuff we can't see. And so this is the stuff at the level of particles and atoms and the, the stuff that makes up matter. Okay, so that realm would fall under quantum mechanics. Uh, now the problem is that, phys that the physics of these two separate branches don't work together when joined. The rules that govern each don't seem to, to work together. And so they apply only to their separate domains, not the domain of the other. Uh, string theory is, has been developed to try to bridge the divide between the two physics realms and unify everything into one uh, so-called theory of everything. And it postulates that the stuff that makes everything else up is made of something more like strings. Okay, and I don't want to get into string theory, uh, but the important thing about string theory is that it requires the existence of other unobserved dimensions, dimensions that we can't perceive, uh, d dimensions beyond our dimensions of length, width, height, and time. Uh, now, string theory may be true. The jury is still out on that. But the key to remember uh, that, that e is that even if it is found to be true, it still doesn't mean that the multiverse is true. But on the other hand, if string theory isn't found to be true, then the multiverse can't be true because, remember, the multiverse relies on string theory. So the first problem with the multiverse is that string theory, a fundamental requirement of the multiverse, still has no tangible evidence to substantiate it. Uh, George Ellis said string theory is not a tried and tested theory. It's not even a complete theory. Uh, theoretical physicist and cosmologist of Arizona State University, Lawrence Krauss, 
There is no evidence that it is correct or that it can consistently resolve all the problems that a complete quantum theory of gravity uh, must address. Uh, astrophysicist Eric Chison of the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. He said, although the theory of superstrings is now causing great excitement in the physics community, there is to date not a shred of experimental or observational evidence to support it. Uh, so you're seeing the problem here. Uh, Ellis and Silk highlighted that not only is, the st is string theory unverified, it's not even testable. Okay, so if it's not testable, how can it be scientific based on their own definition of science? And if other dimensions exist according to string theory and we can't even observe those, then how can string theory qualify as a legitimate scientific theory? Uh, so obviously that's a move away from how naturalists have defined science over the last century. And it's, and it's a significant move because testability has been the main argument that naturalists have tried to use against creation uh, in trying to kick the Bible out of the science classrooms. And the unscientific nature of string theory was exactly Ellis and Silk's point. Uh, the name of the article that they were writing in was uh, Defend the Integrity of Physics. That was the name of the article. And here's what they said. This year, debates in physics circles took a worrying turn Faced with difficulties in applying fundamental theories to the observed universe, some researchers call for a change in how theoretical physics is done. They begin to argue explicitly that if a theory is sufficiently elegant and explanatory, it need not be tested experimentally, breaking with centuries of philosophical tradition of defending scientific knowledge as, uh, defining scientific knowledge as empirical. We disagree. As the philosopher of science Karl Popper argued, a theory must be falsifiable to be scientific. Chief among the elegance will suffice advocates are some string theorists who rely on unobservable entities to validate their theories. These unprovable hypotheses, which he specifically in the article is referring to string theory and the multiverse, are quite different from those that related directly to the real world and that are testable through observations. As we see it, theoretical physics risks becoming a no-man's land between mathematics, physics, and philosophy that does not truly meet the requirements of any. The issue of testability has been um, lurking, I think is the word? Lurking for a decade. All right, string theory and multiverse theory have been criticized in popular books and articles. And so notice... Uh, how far the naturalists are willing to, to go to avoid God. And so this debate between creation and evolution, between naturalism and supernaturalism, uh, is not even about evidence. Like, you know, which model can be shown to be backed by the empirical evidence. This is about God and the implications of his existence with regard to how we live. Now, to be clear, some physicists do draw a marked distinction between string theory and the multiverse. And they argue correctly that, that string theory is testable in principle because the strings that are hypothesized to exist in string theory, uh, making a matter, are potentially detectable. And that claim uh, is true. It may be that string theory will one day be verified, but that's not the point that I'm making here. The point is that until it is verified, those who wish to point to the multiverse as, as evidence that God doesn't need to exist in order to explain everything, they have absolutely no scientific foundation upon which to launch a campaign for the existence of the multiverse. Uh, so those who believe in the multiverse hold to a, a belief uh, 
They believe in it without evidence, and so their faith is blind. And also, once again, keep in mind that even if string theory is true, it still wouldn't mean the multiverse is true. If string theory is not true, however, then the small shred of hope that they have in trying to to find at least a starting point for multiverse theory disappears. Now, a second reason why the multiverse is not a valid alternative to God comes down to inflation. Uh, So according to multiverse theory, when new universes in the multiverse begin, they have their own Big Bang and their own inflationary events, just like our universe allegedly did if the Big Bang were true, which it's not. That's another subject. Uh, So inflation is that brief period of time immediately after the initial Big Bang where the entire universe is said to expand faster than the speed of light. Okay, this is a necessary part of the Big Bang Theory in order to fix certain issues with the, with the model. And Big Bang Theory is necessary to try to explain the origin of the universe without God. That's how it's viewed today. So in order to explain the origin of each of the universes in the multiverse, they're saying each of them had to have their own Big Bang and their own inflationary events as well. Now the problem is that as with string theory, there's absolutely no evidence for inflation. Uh, cosmologist and physicist Paul Steinhardt actually helped to develop inflationary theory originally. He was one of the guys that, that launched inflationary thinking. He's now a scathing critic of it. In 2014, he wrote an article responding to the alleged evidence for Big Bang inflation that naturalists thought that they had discovered back in 2014. The evidence ended up being false. It wasn't what they hoped it would be. But Steinhardt used the opportunity to criticize Big Bang theorists for their lack of inflation evidence. So in the article he wrote called uh, Big Bang Blunder Bursts the Multiverse Bubble, uh, he explained that multiverse theory is... The, is the baby of inflationary theory, but inflationary theory is immune to experimental and observational tests. Inflation does not end with a universe with uniform properties, but almost inevitably leads to a multiverse with an infinite number of bubbles in which the cosmic and physical properties vary from bubble to bubble, scanning over all possible bubbles in the multiverse Everything that can physically happen does happen an infinite number of times. No experiment can rule out a theory that allows for all possible outcomes. Hence, the paradigm of inflation, and subsequently the multiverse, is unfalsifiable. It's clear that the inflationary paradigm is fundamentally untestable and hence scientifically meaningless. Uh, So problem number two for the multiverse, uh, therefore, is that even if string theory were true, there is no evidence for Big Bang inflation, which is another necessary puzzle piece in multiverse theory. Uh, Problem number three, even if there, there were evidence for string theory and inflation, it still wouldn't prove that the multiverse exists. The multiverse needs evidence of its own, but it has none, uh, which would categorize it as irrational and a blind faith. Uh, just a pointless attempt to try to bypass the existence of God. So notice what Ellis said about this. We just do not know what actually happens, for we have no information about these regions and never will. All, all in all, the case for the multiverse is inconclusive. The basic reason is the extreme flexibility of the proposal. It is more a concept than a well-defined theory. The key step in justifying a multiverse is extrapolation from the known to the unknown, from the testable to the, notice, untestable. 
a theoretical physicist and cosmologist of the University of Cambridge, Stephen Hawking, who passed away a few weeks ago. He advanced the multiverse idea as well, but he admitted that it's still just a theory. It's yet to be confirmed by, notice, any evidence. Uh, not only is there no evidence for the multiverse, but according to leading cosmologists, there can be no evidence for it. Uh, Tim Folger, writing in Discover, uh, he explained that for many physicists, the multiverse remains a desperate measure ruled out by the impossibility of confirmation. Uh, notice what Ellis said, the notion of parallel universes leapt out of the pages of fiction. Right? This, was, this was in our comic books. It leapt, that's where they get the idea for this. Uh, left out of the pages of fiction into scientific journals back in the 1990s. Many scientists claim that mega millions of other universes, each with its own laws of physics, lie out there, notice, beyond our ability to observe them, beyond our visual horizon. They're collectively known as the multiverse. The trouble is that no possible astronomical observations can ever see those other universes. The arguments are indirect at best, and even if the multiverse exists, it leaves the deep mysteries of nature, for example, why does anything exist, uh, it leaves those unexplained. All the parallel universes lie outside our horizon and remain beyond our capacity to see now or ever, no matter how technology evolves. In fact, they are too far away to have had any influence on our universe whatsoever. That is why none of the claims made by multiverse enthusiasts can be directly substantiated. And so notice, according to this renowned, respected, uh, naturalistic cosmologist, observable evidence of the multiverse is impossible now or ever, no matter how far technology evolves. Uh, none of the claims of the multiverse advocates can be directly substantiated. So isn't it convenient that, the, uh, that with the multiverse, naturalists have proposed a theory to try to explain away God, and that theory is immune to falsification, since it's known from the start to be, in their own words, forever inaccessible to observation. You know, I find that that's real convenient. Uh, now, the fourth reason the multiverse is not a valid alternative to God is that, as with inflation theory, the multiverse is untestable and unobservable, which makes it unscientific based on their own definition of the terms. Uh, notice what astrophysicist and distinguished professor at John Hopkins University, Adam, uh, Adam Rice, and astrophysicist Mario Livio said. Even just mentioning the multiverse idea raises the blood pressure of some physicists. The notion seems hard to swallow and harder to test, perhaps signifying the end of the classical scientific method as we know it. Historically, this method has required that hypotheses should be directly testable by new experiments or observations. All right, so observation, direct testing, experimentation, they're not possible with the multiverse model. Krauss said, for many people, multiverses are indications of how far fundamental physics may appear to be diverging from what is otherwise considered to be sound empirical science. Uh, physicist Mark Buchanan, writing in New Scientist about the multiverse, he said in bewilderment, fantasy is the very word that occurs to many, including some physicists, when they hear some of the ideas popular in cosmology. Inflationary cosmologists have opened the speculative throttle so fully that physicists now talk routinely of such things as an infinitude of parallel universes or multiverse. Is this still science? Or has inflationary cosmology veered towards something akin to religion? Some physicists wonder. Uh, by the end of the same article, Buchanan's conclusion on the matter was, in the end, the, the multiverse isn't science 
so much as philosophy using the language of science. Uh, Lee Smolin is a theoretical physicist, a faculty member at the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics, and uh, professor of physics at the University of Waterloo. In an article titled, You Think There's a Multiverse? Get Real, he said this, uh, The multiverse theory has difficulty making any firm predictions and threatens to take us out of the realm of science. These other universes are unobservable. As attractive as the idea may seem, it's basically a sleight of hand which converts an explanatory failure into an apparent explanatory success. The multiverse fails as a scientific hypothesis. We had to invent the multiverse. And thus, with an infinitude, infinite ensemble of unobservable entities, we leave the domain of science behind. In some sense, the multiverse embodies the unreal ensemble of all multiple solutions to the laws of physics, imagined as elements of an invented ensemble of bubble universes, but this just trades one imaginary unreal ensemble for another. Uh, Folger said, does it make sense to talk about other universes if they can never be detected? Uh, so naturalists routinely argue that creation is unscientific and therefore we shouldn't allow it in the science classrooms. I mean, after all, God, uh, we can't directly observe God and we can't directly observe creation and Noah's flood. We can't reproduce those scientifically. Well, in actuality, again, direct evidence for the truth of the biblical model is available and abundant indirect evidence exists to substantiate the biblical model as well. We looked at some of that yesterday. Uh, but even if it was the case that the biblical, the biblical creation is unscientific, multiverse theory and inflation, along with the Big Bang, should, on the same grounds that naturalists are using, be deemed unscientific by naturalists and left out of the science classroom as well. And so, of course, you know, don't hold your breath that such rational, consistent thinking will prevail among naturalistic scientists. I mean, after all, if you don't want God, you better have a multiverse. And in the words of Harvard evolutionary geneticist Richard Lewinton, naturalistic scientists cannot allow a divine foot in the door. That's what's really going on here. Uh, this isn't about the actual evidence. Uh, problem number five, even if we were to concede, this, for the sake of argument, the existence of the multiverse, the next question is, where did it come from? See, the multiverse still doesn't bypass the need for an ultimate creator. Uh, notice what Ellis said, many physicists who talk about the multiverse assume a multiverse context for their theories without worrying about how it comes to be, which is what concerns cosmologists. Scientists propose the multiverse as a way of resolving deep issues about the nature of existence, but the proposal leaves the ultimate issues unresolved. All the same issues that arise in relation to the universe arise again in relation to the multiverse. If the multiverse exists, did it come into existence through necessity, chance, or purpose? That's a metaphysical question that no physical theory can answer for either the universe or the multiverse, he says. Uh, Paul Davies was even more forthright about this. He's a theoretical physicist, cosmologist, uh, astrobiologist, professor at Arizona State University. Uh, in an article for the New York Times entitled, Taking Science on Faith, he said, The multiverse theory is increasingly popular, but it doesn't so much explain the laws of physics as dodge the whole issue. There has to be a physical mechanism to make all those universes and bestow bylaws on them. This process will require its own laws or meta-laws. Where do they come from? The problem has simply been shifted up a level from the laws of the universe to the meta-laws of the multiverse. 
In 2011, he said, you still have to explain the multiverse. That still has laws. You need a universe-generating mechanism. And so according to Davies, the multiverse theory is just moving the goalpost. It's not really answering the ultimate questions. Uh, Michio Kaku, theoretical physicist at the City College of New York, he agreed with Davies, but he went even further. In string theory, there are other universes out there. There's a multiverse of universes. The question is, where did the multiverse come from? You could argue, therefore, that maybe you need a god to create the multiverse or a creator to create string theory, perhaps. All right, so bottom line, even if the multiverse existed, it still is not removing the need for God. Uh, you need something that can create multiverses. Again, the big picture of what we're addressing, is the multiverse a valid option to naturalists for replacing God? I mean, that's what they're trying to do, is use the multiverse to, to eliminate the need for God. So the sixth problem with that assertion is that the multiverse itself is an admission that a supernatural realm must exist, something beyond nature, something beyond the physical realm that we can observe that is our universe. Okay, so how can a person be a naturalist and still believe in the multiverse? Uh, notice what Davies said. Clearly then, both religion and science are founded on faith, namely on belief in the existence of something outside the universe, like an unexplained God or an unexplained set of physical laws, maybe even a huge ensemble of unseen universes too. And so according to, to leading cosmologists, the evidence from nature is leading them to accept the existence of supernature, just as theologians have long contended is the case when we look at the natural realm. So what are some of the evidences that they are seeing that is forcing them to acknowledge there's got to be something outside of the universe? The anthropic principle is the idea that the universe appears to have been made just for us. And the more that scientists learn about the universe, the more powerfully that truth is being driven home. Notice what Elk, uh, Ellis and Silk admitted. The multiverse is motivated by a puzzle. Why fundamental constants of nature, such as the fine structure constant that characterizes the strength of electromagnetic interactions between particles and the cosmological constant associated with the acceleration of the expansion of the universe, why these have values that lie in the small range that allows life to exist? Some physicists consider that the multiverse has no challenger as an explanation of many otherwise bizarre coincidences. The low value of the cosmological constant known to be 120 factors of 10 smaller than the value predicted by quantum field theory is difficult to explain, for instance. Uh, Smolin admitted, everything that we know suggests that the universe is unusual. It's flatter, smoother, larger, and emptier than a typical universe predicted by the known laws of physics. If we reached into a hat filled with pieces of paper, each with the specifications of a possible universe written on it, it's exceedingly unlikely that we would get a universe anything like ours in one pick, or even a billion. The challenge that cosmologists face is to make sense of this specialness. At first, inflation seemed to do the trick. But a closer look shows that we have just moved the problem further back in time. To make inflation happen at all requires us to fine-tune the initial conditions of the universe, he says. Uh, in, an, in an article in uh, Discover, Lee Folger quotes from cosmologist and professor of physics at Stanford, Andre Lind. We have a lot of really, really strange coincidences, and all of these coincidences are such that they make life possible, Lind says. 
Physicists don't like coincidences. They like even less the notion that life is somehow central to the universe, and yet recent discoveries are forcing them to confront that very idea. Call it a fluke, a mystery, a miracle, or call it the biggest problem in physics. Short of invoking a benevolent creator, many physicists see only one possible explanation. Our universe may be but one of perhaps infinitely many universes in an inconceivably vast multiverse. Advocates argue that, like it or not, the multiverse may well be the only viable, non-religious explanation for what is often called the fine-tuning problem. The baffling observation that the laws of the universe seem custom-tailored to favor the emergence of life. If there is no multiverse, where does that leave physicists? And notice he quotes from Carr. If there is only one universe, Carr says, you might have to have a fine-tuner. If you don't want God, you better have a multiverse. So in other words, the evidence in nature is that there's got to be something beyond nature. There's got to be something non-physical to explain how perfect this universe appears to be for us. Something supernatural must exist. So if you don't want to be beholden to God, you'd better dream up something else. Uh, you know, an infinite number of universes that demands that at least one of them will just happen to be as perfect as ours. Now the problem is that the multiverse is still a non-natural. It's an unnatural idea. It contradicts naturalism. But naturalism is the standard dogma taught in science and in school classrooms. So if the evidence points to the supernatural realm, then naturalism should be scrapped. And we should consider the evidence to determine which supernatural realm is supported by uh, the, the evidence. An imaginary multiverse with zero evidence... Or how about a heavenly realm evidenced by a book with supernatural characteristics? Qualities of such perfection that the brightest of the universe could not have produced them. Okay, now that's positive evidence. And we have many of those books right here in this auditorium with us. The multiverse has no evidence. All right, one final point. According to Ellis, in the multiverse... All that can happen, happens somewhere in the many universes. Uh, he notes, in seeking to explain why nature obeys certain laws and not others, some physicists and philosophers have speculated that nature never made any such choice. All conceivable laws apply somewhere. The idea is inspired in part by quantum mechanics, which, as Murray Gilman more memorably put it, holds that everything not forbidden is compulsory. Uh, Joshua Sokol, writing a new scientist, he explained that in the universe, the multiverse of eternal inflation, everything that can happen has happened and will probably happen again. Uh, Lisa Grossman, writing a new scientist, in such an infinite multiverse, everything that has even a slight chance of happening is virtually certain to happen. You just need to wait long enough. Uh, Buchanan said... In the multiverse, every conceivable world exists, and individuals identical to you and I live out parallel lives in places we cannot have access to. That's a weird idea. Steinhardt explained, scanning over all possible bubbles in the multiverse, everything that can physically happen does happen an infinite number of times. Okay, now, all that said, if in the multiverse all that can happen happens and every conceivable world exists, if everything that has even a slight chance of happening is virtually certain to happen, if anything will exist an infinite number of times, if everything that can happen has happened and will probably happen again, 
If everything not forbidden is compulsory, then why would it not be the case that a God with the characteristics of the one in the Bible would exist in at least one of those universes? So does the multiverse not demand the existence of God? And if not, why not? And if a God like the one in the Bible does exist, then that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere and he's every when. Uh, Psalm 139, 7-10, Proverbs 15-3, Ecclesiastes 12-4, 1 Timothy 1, 16-17. Okay, that means that if he exists in another universe somewhere, he must exist here as well. And so the evidence is clear. There, there's got to be something infinite beyond the physical universe that brought about this universe and its laws, its ordinances. There's zero evidence for a multiverse uh, for the multiverse being that supernatural realm. In fact, by cosmologists' own admissions, the multiverse leapt out of the pages of fiction into scientific journals. It's hard to swallow. It's a sleight of hand. It dodges the whole issue. It's imaginary. Uh, one, one guy even called it an oxymoron. Uh, so we've got, we've got so much evidence that it's not the multiverse. All the while, we've got ample evidence of a supernatural realm governed by the God of the Bible. He wrote the ordinance of the heaven, the ordinances of the heaven. He set their dominion over the universe, Job 38, verse 33. Uh, by his word, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth, Psalm 33, verse 6. And so there's no reason to, to question the existence of God. It's just amazing to me how much... You know, it was just a matter of time before the scientists, even the naturalists, have to come out and say, mm, there does have to be something out there. And they just, they play their cards and they show you this has never been about the evidence. The evidence is clear. Uh, we know there's got to be a God out there. That's not what this, this whole debate is about. Uh, there are other biases that are making it where people are unwilling to accept where the evidence points. Uh, and that is, there's got to be a God, and we can specifically know that it's the God of the Bible, uh, which is uh, a subject of its own. Uh, we could do a whole session just on that subject. All right, so if this is a subject that is of interest to you, again, you can take a look at this on our website uh, and, uh, or in my Science versus Evolution book. Uh, be aware if you purchased that book, uh, the original uh, version of it back in 2013 or whatever, it did not have the multiverse stuff in there. Uh, when we reprinted last year, I included this subject in that book. So you'd need to get, if you want to read it in my book, make sure you have the latest copy. All right, so hopefully you can see why this has become a big, big deal. The leading cosmologists are talking about this, and I hope that this helps to prepare you to deal with this subject with people. You've got seven quick points you can make to people to show them, hey, uh, there's no evidence for the multiverse. And uh, in fact, the multiverse points to God, even if it does exist. All right, thank you very much for your attention, and uh, we're going to finish two or three minutes early.